I have heard that we are all in the same boat, but it's not like that. We are in the same storm, but not in the same boat. Your ship could be shipwrecked and mine might not be, or vice versa. For some, quarantine is optimal, a moment of reflections, of reconnection, easy in flip-flops with a cocktail or coffee. For others, this is a desperate financial and family crisis. For some that live alone, they're facing endless loneliness, while for others, it is peace, rest, and time with their mother, father, sons, and daughters. With the $600 weekly increase in unemployment, some are bringing in more money to their households than they were working. Others are working more hours for less money due to pay cuts or loss in commission sales. Some families of four just received $3,400 from the stimulus package, while other families of four saw no money. Some were concerned about getting a certain candy for Easter, while others were concerned if there would be enough bread, milk, and eggs for the weekend. Some want to go back to work because they don't qualify for unemployment and are running out of money. Others want to kill those who break quarantine. Some are at home spending two or three hours a day helping their child with online schooling, while others are doing the same on top of a 10 to 12 hour work day. Some have experienced the near death of the virus. Some have already lost someone from it. And some are not sure if their loved ones are going to make it. Others don't believe this is a big deal. Some have faith in God and expect miracles this year. Others say the worst is yet to come. We are not in the same boat. We are going through a time when our perceptions and needs are completely different. Each of us will emerge in our own way from this storm. It is important to see beyond what is seen at first glance, not just looking, actually seeing. We are all on different ships during this storm, experiencing a very different journey. This morning, I'm going to be talking about the trouble with normal. I've heard this new period in our history that we're entering called by several different titles. Some are calling this the big collapse, when suddenly, almost overnight, we have seen systems around us failing. The healthcare system has not had the supplies needed to man manage the pandemic. It has not had the equipment to deal with the very ill or even the chemicals needed to create new medicines and the testing kits that are required. The economic system that relies on consumers with money has fallen apart as people constrict their spending. And the government systems 
that have been structured that, excuse me, and the government systems set up to protect us and support us. Well, journalist Rob Jensen writes that this big collapse is the apocalypse that we have been waiting for for thousands of years, not in the rapture threatening interpretation of the Christian book of Revelation, but more in line with the original meaning of the word apocalypse, which literally means a lifting of the veil to disclose something hidden. In this sense, we can begin to see beyond the veils of our big industry and government, the illusions that powerful people and institutions have created. We see the ugly truth of the failure to protect people in favor of prioritizing economics. This may be the end times, the end of the systems that have structured our political and economic and social lives. Others are calling this time the big divide. We've been aware of the huge economic disparity gap in this country. And we've been aware of that for a long time. But this has suddenly widened into an enormous chasm. Those who have been in the top percentages of the economy can continue to work from comfort at home. Those of us who work have shifted our work back to our homes with some discomfort and anxiety. And those of us who have even more can move in our private jets to our private islands with ease. But those of us living below the 10th percentile, it's a little more difficult. Before the pandemic began, 43% of the nation were already living near or below poverty, only $400 away from losing their sense of security. That was 140 million of us living without access to healthcare, without housing security, no paid sick leave, without decent wages, stable work or childcare, no guarantee of safe water in our homes, food, water, and safety, without the basic needs of life. And these are the people continuing to work in this crisis. These are the migrant workers who have been told that it is safe to stay in bunk bed housing if they sleep head to toe. These are the medical assistants caring for our elderly and infirm advised to reuse face masks and personal protective equipment. These are the ones who now have their children at home who need to figure out schooling without internet access while the adults leave them unsupervised as they have to go to workplaces that expose them to viruses. Cut off from unemployment payments if they are determined to be essential, many have to return to work even if they have health risks and no health care benefits. Atlanta Magazine just published an article called Georgia's Experiment in Human Sacrifice. The state is about to find out how many people need to lose their lives in order to shore up the economy. That's a devastating title for an article. There's this push to return to normal times, to force the slowed economy to restart, and the result is that those who have the least will be forced to return to work to meet the desires of those of us with the most. Julio Vincent Gambudo, a film producer writing for Forge, 
has another title, yet a third title for this time. He calls it the Great Pause. While not minimizing the disaster, deaths, and dire consequences for many of us, he notes that this may be a time of opportunity. For years, many of us have been thinking we need to slow down, rethink the patterns of our normal lives. He writes this, what the crisis has given us is a once in a lifetime chance to see ourselves and our country in the plainest of views. At no other time ever in our lives have we gotten the opportunity to see what would happen if the world suddenly stopped. Here it is, we're in it. If we want to create a better country and a better world for our kids, and if we want to make sure we are even sustainable as a nation as a, and as a democracy, we have to pay attention to how we feel right now. I think it's interesting and important that what he talks about is noticing our feelings. Attend to the depression, the heartbreak, and the anxiety we feel right now. These are real. Notice them. Experience these feelings. Do not immediately try to console ourselves. Don't try to solve anything to make ourselves feel better. Pay attention to what we feel. And what we feel can bring real solution. Because the instinct, our instinct to return to comforting normal habits, the behaviors we have been taught to help ourselves to make ourselves feel better, may not actually discomfort, may not actually solve our discomfort in the long run. And it may be part of the problem. We've been convinced to look for comfort in a system that equates feeling good with what we own and what we do. With having a new iPhone, or sipping lattes at Starbucks, or traveling overseas, or resting in the perfectly adjustable pillow mattresses. It feels easy and natural to return to these habits, and right now many of us would be happy to spend anything and to do anything and believe anything if it could make this horrible time of discomfort just go away. So Bruce Coburn, who's one of my favorite musicians, long ago wrote a song with these lyrics. They say, the trouble with normal is it only gets worse. The trouble with normal is it only gets worse. What has become normal in our lives has actually been unsustainable. And we've known this for years, and it has slowly gotten worse. Those of us in the midst of fighting for the protection of our planet, who have been saying that we are in a crisis, have argued that we must stop these normal levels of consumption and consumerism, but we have not been able to imagine how to make this happen. And here we are, right now. People have asked me, when can we return to normal? And my reply is, returning to normal is risky behavior. The risk of returning to normal is high. It is not normal to stay at home, but simply by staying at home, we have reduced 
the projected 2.2 million deaths in the United States simply by staying at home. We have heard people tell of seeing the sky in Los Angeles become blue for the first time in their lives as the pollution levels dropped. The streets in New York City are so quiet, people are saying they hear the birds chirping on Madison Avenue. And coyotes have been seen crossing the Golden Gate Bridge. So to be honest, normal has not been so great. It certainly hasn't been good for almost half of our nation. And for those of us who've lived in financial security, the stress on our time to do more, to produce more, to work harder, to be busy, 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 has not been sustainable. It has allowed us little time to identify what we really do value and little time to actually act on those things that we say we do value. Now, this great pause. This is the time. What is it you really value? Is it your family? Then now is the time to call them and find ways to spend with your family. Is it your community? Then now is the time to show them you care by guerrilla gifting, writing notes, forming friendships. Is it the environment that you value? then now is the time to protect it and support efforts to save our planet. We have a chance to redefine normal and we can change the future. We can do this. It might feel uncomfortable and it might be inconvenient, but it is the right thing to do. And we can create new possibilities even if we do not have an idea of where we can go right now or a vision of what we can be or should be, we can have an openness. After all, who is it that gets to decide what's normal? Is it the government? Is it the advertising agencies? Or is it us? We are in the big, great pause, and it is the perfect time to sit with this discomfort, stay in this place of anxiety. It's okay. It is okay to be uncomfortable. Breathe. Breathe into this. Do not go seeking comfort right away. Ignore the fear. Ignore the noise of the world and think deeply about what you want to put back in your life. This is a time to define a new version of normal. This is a truly rare and it is a sacred opportunity that may never come your way again. Amen. Comfort me, comfort me, comfort me, oh my soul. Comfort me, Comfort me, comfort me, oh my soul.